I'm Lake Miller. And I'm Emily Cunningham. Welcome to Gym City Diversity, a podcast where we talk about diversity and inclusion in the Dayton area. We are from the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, or NCCJ. NCCJ works in the Miami Valley to increase understanding around the topics of diversity and inclusion. This is our first episode in a multiple episode series highlighting businesses, organizations, and individuals who use their platform to communicate messages of acceptance and diversity and advocate for societal change. Today, we are interviewing Sarah and Gus, owners of the Barrel House Tap Room. Over the last year, Barrel House has used their platform and the iconic dry erase board signs to bring inclusion to the center of their business. Hi, is this Sarah? It is. Hey, Sarah, this is Lake Miller calling with NCCJ. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. So I appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. Yeah, no problem. My husband, Gus, is here with me as well. We're on speakerphone. Hi, hello. Oh, hey, Gus. How are you doing? Wonderful. Good. We're starting this new series. Barrel House is going to be the first episode in that series that highlight how different Dayton businesses, organizations, and individuals are able to use their platform to advocate for change. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. So we thought that Barrel House was the epitome of using your platform to advocate for change in the Dayton area. You're going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are, I mean, I definitely want to just start by saying we are so appreciative of all that Barrel House has done for NCCJ, but also, you know, all that Barrel House has done in the community because it's really easy to just have your business simply be about what your business is about. You know, whether that be selling drinks or being a restaurant, it it takes a little bit more to, you know, become involved in those social kind of climate changes. So we definitely appreciate you being leaders on that front. Thank you. That's really, really awesome to hear. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. So we can start. This is kind of a twofold question. The first is if you can tell us a little bit about yourselves and how Barrel House came to be. Okay. Um, (laughs) So there's, I mean, that's a super long story, but I guess we'll start with uh, Gus and I met through the beer industry. We both kind of were watching each other on social media and copying each other's methods of sales and things like that. I was copying Mm -hmm. her methods of sales. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I was um, running one of the best Cincinnati craft beer stores and he was running Ollie's previously Belmont before that. So um, okay. So yeah, we both worked at different places in different cities and started dating. And not too long after we started dating, we realized that we wanted to go into business together, working for ourselves, doing what we had already been doing. So we just started kind of fantasizing about that together. And then the opportunity fell into our laps for the barrel house. Gus was friends with the previous owner and he was looking to sell. So he approached Gus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we decided to jump in despite the fact that we were probably not entirely ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, it was something we imagined two or three years down the line and, um, right. we, weren't, we weren't married yet. We'd only been dating for like a year. <laughs> we lived in different cities. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, so it was a, a huge leap of faith and, Really, up until COVID, I would say it really paid off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
So yeah. what was the beginning like in this whole process? You know, you, you said maybe you weren't quite ready for it. You, you get this Arrowhouse business and now it's, now it's in your names. Like what was that first few moments feeling like? Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and for Sarah, she was like, so when we first bought the bar, Sarah was still working at Cappy's. So she was living in Dayton, commuting to Cincinnati every day. Oh, my gosh. And then coming back and then finishing up a few hours at the bar before going home to be full-time mom still. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was working at Cappy's nine to five, Monday through Friday, and then driving to Dayton, working a few hours each night at the bar. Also, the whole time helping with social media and that kind of thing in the early days. So, yeah. So, was there something that happened? Was there a moment that you thought, oh, geez, I just need to put everything into Barrel House and kind of focus my efforts in one spot? I would say pretty much every day that I sat in rush hour traffic from Loveland. um, (laughs) (laughs) So, I did it. We bought the business in November, and by January, I was just the most hateful, angry person just because I was so exhausted and working so hard. And I felt like it was very thankless because Mm. Gus was at the shop all of the time. So he was the one getting all of the credit for all of the success of Barrel House while I was working three times as hard, you know. Um, So plus that combined with daily road rage, I just... (laughs) (laughs) I just, we got to a point where the business was doing well, and we decided that we could struggle for a little bit, if that's what it took. Um, we had a little bit of money saved up, so, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, we just decided to finally take the leap. It, also, part of it was I didn't want to put my previous employer at a disadvantage, because there was a lot that I did there. Um, I was responsible for all of the events, all of the social media, a lot of the buying, for the for beer so I had been working to train someone to take my position for about six months before I finally left wow yeah so if I can ask how old were your children in, at this point um so what this was eight, like two and a half years ago eight, so yeah 11, eight and 10. yeah like eight and ten they're about to be their birthdays are in August and they're about to be 11 and 14 wow so how did you find the balance between all of these different things while, meanwhile, raising children? Or or was there no balance to be had? There's no balance. It's, it's the constant, like, this is part of what keeps me up at night is feeling like I'm not doing the best job at all of these various things, you know. Mm-hmm. It sucks. <laughs> but yeah. it is what it is. Like, I just, I try my best to be present as a mother, but I also hustle at work. So I just, I try to find the balance, but it's literally impossible. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, you know, mentioned your social media usage and your business has repeatedly appeared on social media and in the community as a leader in creating an atmosphere for inclusion. How are you able to use your platform to advocate for diversity and inclusion? Um, I mean, <laughs> I think that we just made a decision early on that, uh, it was important right. to use our platform. I, I know it sounds cheesy, but I often think back to um, the Dixie Chicks, now referred to as the Chicks, um, mm-hmm. when they put out the song Not Ready to Make Nice, and they had been attacked for speaking out against the president, and they were furious about it, saying, like, 
we're, we have just as much right to speak out about our opinions as anyone else. Just because we're singers doesn't mean we shouldn't be able to do that. And I mm-hmm. kind of think I feel the same way. Like just because we're business owners doesn't mean we can't have opinions on these things. Right. And I think when it comes to equality, it's not even an opinion. It's just human rights. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and we we always wanted the bar to be less of, like, a bar and more of an extension of ourselves, Uh you know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. like, we do Wu-Tang Wednesday. We do that because we love hip-hop. We do Vinyl Vinyl Sunday because on Sundays we sit around the house and listen to music. And we're loud, and we're very loud about our beliefs on social issues, and that's just because that's who we are, you know? And since we do have the platform of the barrel house and our social reach, like why not use it to, you know, put that out into whatever corner of the world we can. Right. Yeah. And I actually yeah. have a background in activism. Oh, okay. So when I, I was a stay at home mom for several years, several years before I got into this industry. And during that time I was, heavily involved with Occupy Cincinnati when that was first taking off. Um, Mm -hmm. And after that, I was an intern on a congressional campaign for a grassroots Democratic campaign in Cincinnati. Wow. Um, And she has has the key to the city of Loveland. (laughs) I I was on a couple committees for the city of Loveland, helping with event planning and PR. Um, So, and they actually at one point asked me to be on city council and I declined. Um, because I was just kind of sick of politics at that point after seeing the inner workings of it. (laughs) So I decided that I wanted to be a professional activist, which my father, who is very analytical um, and reasonable, talked me out of it. Um, (laughs) He, uh, he wanted me to go to go back to college and get a degree that was not political science. (laughs) And uh, so I, I eventually ended up getting into this industry. And so it was important for me not even though I can't be a professional activist to still be able to do good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't even seem like it was a choice. It was just part of your life. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And it's it's a good example to set for our kids, you know. Oh yeah. yeah, I it's a great example I think to set for the entire community. And it seems like I think that Barrel House sort of maybe paved the way a little bit and was doing this early in the game. But it seems like that's kind of become more mainstream. Traditionally, you know, I think with all of these things going on in the news as well, I think a lot of businesses are stepping up to the plate and saying, you know, we have more of a role than just selling our product. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's not without its challenges. Like we get a lot of harassment and hate and there have been a couple scary situations that we've been through because we've been so vocal. But I think at the end of the day, it's still all worth it. Yeah, I mean, we've certainly lost friends certainly lost customers over us and our big mouths, but it's worth it. Now, you mentioned some scary situations. I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that. (laughs) Um, So after, I'm sure you remember, we had the sign up um, the day of the KKK rally that said Jewish owned. um, Mm -hmm. I am Jewish. And um, so after that, we received over the course of several months, we received two different letters that were filled with hateful anti-Semitic messages, swastikas, that that kind of thing. We actually had to get the FBI involved. So it's, it's a weird place to be where um, 
it's normal to have the FBI calling you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that was terrifying because especially as a Jewish woman, I feel like I've seen more anti-Semitism in our country in the last four years than ever before in my life. And I don't think I'm alone in saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so receiving those letters personally was very scary because obviously they know where we are. I had a lot of anxiety about things like going to work by myself and things like that, or my kids at their school, my daughter goes to a Jewish school. Um, Mm -hmm. So just all of those things are, you know, it's, you take a minute to say like, did we go too far? Is this a mistake? You know, because your lives could potentially be in danger. Right. Wow. Um, Well, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. I, I think a lot of people don't think about that side of the things, you know, about how it can get to to those extremes. I do think it's interesting, and I, I want to bring up that, Carol House, you know, you have this cup, and you've been highlighting these kind of things, these statements that people have have been saying. And it seems to me <laughs> as though you've been trying to use your platform to, to kind of spin that message, right? Yeah, yeah. that's that's a Gus thing. <laughs> Gus has the personality. <laughs> I just have the gumption. <laughs> I think that's, you know, I think it's important, though, because to me it seems like we're kind of, re- it seems like a form of reclaiming to me. You know, these these people said it, and we're responding in a way that shows that your, you know, your thoughts are not going to tear down what we know is important work. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, I I, I wish that was the angle I was approaching that. <laughs> it, was, it was more just like, you know, we were very clearly, like, getting trolled or whatever, and it's way more fun to just re-troll the trolls, which you're not supposed to do, right? Like, don't don't engage the trolls. <laughs> don't give them a platform. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's just fun to take that and then use their words to benefit something such as the NCCJ or uh, Black Visions, which we donated the profits from from the first round of those glasses to. So, you know, they're they're vomiting all this hate out of their mouths, and then we are luckily in a position to where we can turn that into a positive and raise some money for people that we believe in while also rubbing it in their faces. <laughs> I think that's well said. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Like Lake said earlier, it's so much easier to just not do anything. But since you have the platform to do something, I think that's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Now, I know that we've kind of mentioned the the negative response that you've gotten from from some of these old positions that you've taken. What about Mm -hmm. the positive responses? Oh my God, there've been so many. Yeah. it's been overwhelming. We are very, very fortunate to have an extremely loyal customer base and the love has been overwhelming. We can't say enough how much we appreciate all of our, all of our friends and customers and family. Right. I mean, the the positivity has been tenfold, if not more than the negativity. I mean, the negativity happens and when it happens, it's allowed. And maybe that's just mm-hmm. because, you know, we're very sensitive people and feel strongly about our beliefs. But I mean, it's been sprinkled over a gigantic layer of, of positivity. That's great. That That's what we like to hear, and I think yeah. that speaks powers to kind of this shift in culture and climate that, that's happening and, and almost, you know, speaks also to just the atmosphere of Dayton in general. 
Absolutely. I don't think that we could be as vocal as we are anywhere else. I think that Dayton has so much diversity and culture and um, progressiveness that, you know, we still have a far way to go, obviously, as most places do. But even just I, I moved here from Cincinnati after living there for 16 years. So even just coming from there, I love Dayton and the community that we have here. Well, great. Well, we greatly appreciate you taking time to talk to us today. I'm, again, so appreciative of all that you all are doing for NCCJ and doing to advocate for for individuals in our community. Well, thank you thank for you. doing what you guys do. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're out there doing the real work. We're just idiots with love. <laughs> 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 well, we appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you you for tuning in to Gem City Diversity. Come back next time as we dive deeper into diversity and inclusion. For more information on NCCJ and diversity within the Miami Valley, go visit www.nccjgreaterdayton.org. Make sure to like NCCJ of Greater Dayton on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at nccj underscore of underscore greater underscore Dayton and follow us on Twitter at NCCJ Dayton.